Amen. That's awesome. Hey, let's give God a big shout of praise. Isn't he good? I love this. For everyone just walking in, came in a little bit later to service today. Thank you so much, uh, worship team, by the way. Um, we uh, having a little bit of technical difficulty with our screens this morning, so we're not doing the traditional videos and transition points that we would have. No words on the screen. So um, I always say, you know, we, we strive for excellence and we do the best that we can to make sure we're operating with excellence here at the church. But sometimes stuff breaks and there's not enough time to fix it. So we had something break uh, pretty late uh, in the morning this morning. Um, we, we gave it a good effort but weren't able to get it going. So I say all that to say um, scriptures won't be on the screens or anything like that this morning. Uh, you'll have to follow along on your phone if you want to. Now we do have version. So um, you can hop on the Bible app and follow along with today's message notes on version if you want to. Everyone in-house and online, just uh, look for events and then find Eastgate Church and you will, you will be able to follow along with the, uh, the message today. So my goodness gracious, it is a little bit cooler in the mornings here lately, huh? Fall is creeping in. I know fall's creeping in because football is on TV again. So that's my indicator. It's my favorite time of the year. Now, I know the Braves are, how many Braves fans we got in here? Braves are playing ball? Yeah, I love that. Uh, Falcons fans? About the same. New Orleans Saints fans? Exactly. We heard the boos going on. Why profile purposes? That's why. That's why we ask these questions. Uh, but thank you guys for being flexible this morning. Um, we'll do the best we can to get everything operational for next week. But appreciate your maturity and your, uh, your ability to flow with it just like we are. We're all family here. I was telling people earlier, we're not putting on a show here. We came here to get with God. Amen? So that's what this is all about. So uh, if you got your Bibles, open them up to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And uh, just put your finger there for a second. We'll get to that in a minute. I, uh, I was praying over this message, and the Lord brought back to me something that he did a, a long time ago with, with Kelly and I. Uh, we were sitting in service, not unlike this one, and the pastor was, was preaching, and it was a great service. And uh, towards the end of the service, I felt the Lord kind of prompt me. You ever felt God prompt you to do some stuff? So the Lord prompted me, and he, he, he told me to do something that initially seemed kind of crazy. Because Kelly and I um, hadn't been married too long. Kelly's my wife, if you're a guest. Um, she's in children's ministry, leading that this morning. Uh, so make sure you, you get to meet her if you haven't yet. Come get with me, and I'll take you so you can meet her. She is amazing. Um, you'll figure out why people like this church. It's because of her and Jesus. It has very little to do with me, I'll tell you that. Um, but we were, we were just sitting there in service, and uh, we had just gotten a $500 Christmas bonus from the, the job that we were working at at the time. Now, that was big money for us back then. That's still big money for us today, you know what I'm saying? Uh, 500 bucks, and we were like, all right, because we didn't have a lot of extra money. We're like, we're going to do this with it, we're going to do that with it, we're going to be able to buy stuff for family and get stuff for each other. It's going to be a great Christmas season. And I was sitting in that service, and the Lord prompted me, and he said, Josh, I want you to take that $500 bonus, and I want you to give it to the people that are sitting behind you. And I said, come again, Lord. 
You know, you just want to make sure you got the right transmission happening. Lord, I just want to make sure I'm dialed in here. Just what, what frequency are you on? I want to make sure I'm talking to you. And this isn't Gabriel pulling a prank on me right now, you know. So, and it just wouldn't get off of me. Give the money to the people behind you. And we didn't know the people sitting behind us very well. And give the money to the people behind you. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Okay, well, I don't want to be disobedient. So I leaned over and I said, hey, Kelly. She's like, what? I'm like, I think God's telling us to, to give our bonus to these people sitting behind us. And she just went, what? And I was like, yeah, just take a second and let's, let's just take a minute, make sure we're both. And so she's like, okay. So we just sat there and I couldn't tell you what the pastor was preaching from that point on. I was just focused on hearing from God and she was too. And she leaned over to me and she said, you know what? I think you're right think we need to and I just went okay okay you ever had those moments where God prompted you to do something to bless somebody or to serve somebody or to give up part of your day to go help somebody sacrificially and you're like okay this is going to cost a little bit but I want to listen and be obedient to what the Lord's telling me to do it was one of those moments so we uh, pulled out checkbook because those were in checkbook days I know some of y'all still use them but we had checkbook and wrote out $500, and I folded up the check, and I turned around, and I gave it to the, the couple behind us, and I said, no questions. The Lord told us to give this to you, and so we're doing it. Gave it to them, and they had this weird look on their face, you know, and so we dialed back in to the message, and then from behind me, I heard, oh, Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you, like that. So... It was, it was a really cool moment. Um, came to find out that that couple had no money at all for Christmas. They were behind on some bills and had no idea how they were going to make Christmas happen for their family. And they hugged us so tightly after service. It was made, just, oh, thank you for being obedient. Are you sure you want us to have this? This is, just, we didn't expect this. This is just amazing. God is so awesome kind of thing. And it was just so great to see that happen, to be able to bless somebody, to be used by God, to see him impact somebody's life just by simple obedience. It's the best thing ever. Now, I know we're doing a series on giving and a series on finances and making sure that we're being uh, correct biblical stewards over what God has blessed us with because the best financial plan for your household is God's financial plan, hands down. But I think sometimes in looking at the nuts and bolts of budgeting and looking at tithing and, and dealing with issues of the heart, we lose sight of the bigger picture of what the Lord wants to do in and through us with every area of our lives, but especially with our finances, to use what we have to see the lives of others impacted for the kingdom of God. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And that's the Lord's heart and vision with this whole giving thing. It's a safeguard to protect us, yeah. It keeps us in check, yes. It allows us to operate in the blessing of God when we participate the way that he's asked us to. But the greater good of all of it is that we become a conduit of blessing through our generosity, through our prayers, through our, our evangelism, through loving others, 
We are used by God to impact the lives of others. Now, I wish I could tell you that when Kelly and I got home, there was a brand new Ferrari in the driveway waiting on us. But that didn't happen. We didn't get a crazy check in the mail that week or anything like that, you know. Um, we, uh, we didn't open up the refrigerator, and it was full of our favorite food magically, you know, like some people would have you believe. But I tell you what, I tell you what, and being obedient and simple things like that, I can tell you this, in 21 years of marriage, Kelly and I have had money and we've been broke. And we've had money and we've been broke. But I tell you what was never happened. We have never gone without. We've learned to be content and obedient to God, with God and, and be obedient to God. And I'm telling you, we have been blessed as, while we participated in God's financial planning. And the icing on all the cake is that in that situation, we got to see a family blessed by God. We got to be part of an answered prayer. We got to be part of a miraculous provision for someone else. And I think that's the bigger picture of what God wants to do through our giving. Question for you, what can God do through you? What can God do through you? We're going to bounce around scriptures on finances today and look at biblical principles on giving as it pertains to impacting the lives of others. What can God do through you? Through you. Not church, necessarily, but through you. Because God has a plan for you to use you everywhere you go to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ by every means necessary. And when we operate with generosity... We create a platform by which to deliver the gospel to others in a practical way. What can God do through you? Wow. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to read just a little bit of scripture. So if you're not used to going through big blocks of scripture, take a deep breath and dial in. It's going to be awesome. It says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. I love that. What God has done through his churches. You know, churches are made up of people. God doesn't do anything through his church without it first happening through the individuals that make up that church. We are the church. Collectively, we form his church, the body of Christ. Amen? I love this statement because if you're not careful, it just goes right under the radar and you miss what's happening here. What God has done through those churches. Have you thought about, have you thought about all the potential of what God could do through us? What God can do through you. That's such a huge statement because just to even think that God could do something through us is amazing. Now, I don't know about you, but I know where I came from. I know my past. I know my history. I know how jacked up I was. I know how broken I was inside. I know how bitter I was. I know how messed up I was. And for God to have done something in me to get me to a place where he can do something through me is nothing short of a miracle. 
And I'm wondering if there's anybody in here that can say the same thing about your life. You think back and remember on the stuff that you've walked through, on the stuff that you've been through. You remember the sleepless nights. You remember crying yourself to sleep. You remember the brokenness that you dealt with, the hurt, the betrayal, the lost sense that you had without Jesus in your heart. You remember that? And then you remember how everything radically changed when he came on the inside of you and he became your Lord and Savior and began healing and restoring and putting things back together and setting us on the path of his calling and his purpose for our lives. God has done a lot in us. And I'm wondering if there's anybody in here with me that can just take a couple of seconds and praise God for what he's brought us through, for how he's restored, for how he's provided. He is an awesome God to be able to say now that he can do something through us. That's amazing to me. That's amazing to me because I remember my lowest low. I remember my worst day. I remember my worst day, and I know that I've got this testimony like you guys do too. On our worst day, our worst day, the devil on his best day couldn't take us out on our worst day, and we're still here. And if we're still here, then that means that there's still a plan and a purpose and a calling and a reason for us to get out here and get busy impacting this world for Jesus Christ. He's not done with us, yet he wants to do something through us us. I love that. Is they're being tested by many troubles. Y'all ever been tested before? Y'all being tested right now? Hey, that's part of life. I get it. They've been tested by many troubles. They're very poor, he says, but they're also filled with an abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. I love that. That joy overflowed to the outside and manifested in generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. They did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did it more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted. I love that. Generosity begins with complete and total surrender to the Lord. Paul writes on, he goes, so we urge Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. And he starts to compliment them. He says, since you excel in, in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I wanted you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I love this. He says, hey, you guys are crushing it. <laughs> you, you are, you're, you're loving people. You guys are speaking excellently. You guys are crushing it over there. You, you, you are knocking it out of the park and showing the love of God and, and ministering to others. You've got it, but there's, there's still one thing I want you guys to step into. I want you to understand the power and the impact of being able to participate in this gracious act of giving is what he's saying. You know, have y'all ever driven a vehicle that had a bad spark plug? Hey, just for fun, go home today, let your car run and pull one of your spark plug cables and watch what happens. 
Oh, your car, your truck, whatever, it will start acting like it's got a demon inside of it. It'll just, it'll begin to misfire and run rough and all of that stuff. And the reason why is because it's not firing on all the cylinders. It's not firing correctly. What Paul is, is kind of painting the picture up here is that, hey guys, you guys have got so much going on. What I want to do is make sure that you're firing on all cylinders and that you're available to the Lord in every way so that you can be used by him to impact people in the full spectrum of every possibility that God wants to use you to impact others. He says, I'm not commanding you to do this. I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. Paul says, I'm just checking out the fruit. I'm just checking out the fruits. Like, I'm not guilting you. I'm just putting this in front of you. He says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this right here because he immediately goes back to the motivation of why we're generous to other people. Everybody say generous. Make sure you guys are still with me this morning. He says, I want you to know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Our generosity is nothing more than a reflection of the heart of God. And we talked last week about how God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. The heart of God is generous. When Jesus came, he gave up a lot. Now, he didn't throw out $100 bills to everybody, but he paid a high price to be able to do what he did for us. He gave up everything. Can you imagine the splendor of heaven? The splendor of heaven, walking out of angels, worshiping you, streets of gold, just sparkling jewels everywhere. It, it, just the beauty is incomprehensible. And then you step out into Douglasville, Georgia, with our jacked-up Arbor Place Mall and all of this stuff. He gave it all up for us. Some of y'all don't like traveling for the holidays because you got relatives with nasty houses. You know what I'm saying? Jesus gave up all of that to be here with us. It's amazing. And Paul says, hey, don't forget that the reason for all of this, the motivation for all of it, is to reflect the heart of our Father in heaven. And if your heart is reflecting his heart, then generosity is going to be the fruit that's born in your life. Amen? So then he says, uh, here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Now let me pause here for a second. Have you ever started something and didn't follow through on it? Let's go back in time to New Year's resolutions. Have we, we ever started something and we didn't follow through on it, you know? Uh, this church started strong. This church started with great generosity. And Paul says they were the first one to step up. They had the heart to be there. They, they had the heart to be the first to give. They were there. But what had happened was probably a little bit of life began to happen. And what they started strong at, they didn't finish strong with. You know, it's not about how you start. It's how you finish. Amen? And I think this is kind of the repetitive cycle a lot of us get into with our finances. Now we start strong, 
And then life happens, and we don't finish the way that we started. Oh, we'll start a budget. You ever, y'all, any of y'all ever made a budget before? And then forgot that you had a budget a few months later? You just, probably some of us are on like our 8th or ninth or 15th or 21st budget. This time, I'm going to stick to it, you know. This time, I'm going to do it. Or have you ever made a decision, Lord? Because some, like the Lord dealt with your heart and you said, you know what, God? I haven't been, but I'm going to begin tithing to you. I haven't been, but I'm going to begin to listen to you and follow the leading of your spirit to, in your promptings to be able to be generous to others as you lead me to do it. And we have that heart and that intention, but then life happens and stuff happens, and we get caught up in the bubble of everything that's going on in our lives, and we forget the bigger picture of what God has called us to do. Has that ever happened? Not to you, but to somebody you know. You know I'm sure we all know, so it's never us, but it's always somebody that we know that that stuff happens to, right? Why are y'all laughing so much? You, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We're great at starting stuff, but we struggle sometimes with finishing, and Paul's encouraging these people to finish what they've started. And let me do the same thing and encourage you. Finish what you've started. Finish what you've started. If you, even a few weeks ago when we sat down and opened up the Bible and just looked at biblical principles for setting a budget, I know a lot of us went home and put pen to paper and came up with great budgets. I heard you guys talking to me about it, but I'm wondering if we're still going strong in those things or if it's just become something that we did and then set aside, and we're not finishing strong. And I want to encourage you to finish strong. Everybody say, finish strong. Finish strong. strong. It's college football season, and there are going to be a lot of of good records for the first five or six games of the year until the bruises set in, until the injuries set in. And then those players are not going to be able to play as hard as they would like to. They're going to want to give up, and you're going to see teams start to drop off. The teams that make it to the end are the teams that know how to finish strong. Listen to me. Life's going to happen to you. You're going to get pushed around. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Amen? Y'all know that's true, right? If nothing else in the Bible is true, that is true. We are going to have trouble in life. Then he said, take heart, though. I've overcome the world. Life's going to happen to us. It's what we do when it happens. Let me encourage you, don't let it knock you off track. Because The enemy likes to work in the chaos to get us off focus on what God has called us to do. And every one of us has been called to impact the lives of others for Jesus. Amen? All right. Then he says, then he says, now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning match. Be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. In other words, he's saying, hey, do it responsibly. Make sure you give in a responsible way in proportion to what you have. I love that. I love that. The Lord is all in when it comes to giving. He's all in when it comes to giving. And you can see that it's his heart for us to be giving. People, when you look through scripture and see what he's asked us to do. And there's three groups of people. It's like if you wanted to pick a top three when it comes to giving, the Lord is always for us giving to the poor. Giving to the poor, you see that in scripture. God is always for us giving to each other. 
You see that in Scripture, to bless one another as a body of believers, to help each other out, not just with, with our finances, but with our time. If you need yard work done and something, you're hurt and you can't get to it, man, we should step up and help each other out, amen? You know, we watch each other's backs and make sure that no one walks alone. That's his heart that we give to each other. But he's also very, very, very focused on us giving to the church ministry that reaches the lost. Giving to the church ministry that reaches the lost. The church, the church, is the number one soul-saving entity on this planet. There is nothing like the church. There is nothing like the local church. And look, parachurch organizations, they do a lot of great stuff. But I'm telling you, uh, the people in the dirt getting it done and reaching the community is the local church church. Jesus' vision was for the local church. He said, upon this rock, I will build my what? Church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He came to establish his church. He's very, very interested in what we do as a church to reach others. Listen, the church has always been a huge part of history. A huge part of history. Um, we have, you guys have probably heard me say this before, but we've got the hospital systems that we have today because of the work of the church. It started as an outreach of the church. The orphanages taking care of uh, kids that don't have parents came out of the ministry of the church. Um, institutions of higher education out of the ministry. I know that's controversial right now because a lot of y'all didn't want your money paying other people's college bills, but that's not how it intended. That's not what the original intention was. It was an outreach of the church. His church has always been busy doing that, feeding the poor, an outreach of the church. The church has always made the most impact in the world. When it comes to race issues that we're dealing with today, Jesus destroyed culture, and spoke about equality of all people. He was the first person to ever do that. He's the first person to ever speak up about women's rights and them not being property, but being equal with a man in God's eyes because we're all created equally in the image of God. That comes from the church. I'm telling you, the greatest cultural transformation and the greatest spiritual impact on this planet has come from the church of Jesus Christ. And we can't take our foot off the throttle, guys. The church has got to continue to be aggressive and step into the needs of society to create a platform for the gospel to be preached to others. Amen? We've got to keep our foot on the throttle. But one of the biggest ways that we do that is making sure that we've got a full tank of gas to operate with. We've got to make sure that we have a full tank of gas to operate with. And when you look at the early church, you see this happening. In Acts chapter 2, um, starting at verse 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all as the apostles performed many miracles and signs and wonders which still happened today, by the way. And all the believers met together in one place, sharing everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They're operating in a crazy level of generosity here. They worshiped together in the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. 
all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And if you're looking on your tablets or devices, look at this last line here. It says, And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The early church was clicking on all cylinders. Like they were, they were loving, they were serving, they were telling people about Jesus, they were praying for people, they were faithful gathering together and, and applying the word of God to their life, and they were obedient and generosity, and all of those cylinders were firing, and that machine was running, and scripture says that the Lord added to their number each day those who were being saved. Now that's what it's all about. Reaching people for Jesus. Reaching others for Jesus. Now how many of you would agree that the number one focus of a church should be the number one focus of Jesus. Maybe you would agree that. Yeah. So what did Jesus come to do? Out of his mouth, he said, I've come to seek and save the lost. That's why we're here, to reach people for Jesus. And this is why I say this. I say um, one of the least talked about areas of spiritual warfare and bondage is in the area of finances. Every pastor in the world would be jumping up, shaking a hanky, and saying amen to that right now. Because they've got a heart full of vision, and they've got a heart to see their people financially solid. But they see the enemy coming in and just causing chaos and confusion, and it bottlenecks everything that people are able to do and the church is able to do to reach people for Jesus. And it's a smart strategy if you're the devil. Anytime you're at war, one of the best things you can do is cut off a supply line to, the, to your opposition. And that's what he's trying to do. That's what he's trying to do. And, and, and he'll do it with... with, with um, God, we're in the South, so Lord have mercy. People look at you sideways when you talk about money in a lot of churches in the South. And, and I wonder why that is. Because when you look at the Bible, you know that Jesus, <laughs> Jesus said more about finances than he did about faith and prayer combined. It's crazy. There's actually more scriptures throughout the Bible on finances than faith and prayer combined. It's insane. It's obviously a main point. It's obviously a main issue. Why does the enemy hit us so hard? Why do we have so much trouble then getting control of our personal finances so that we can be a blessing to others? It's because he's hard at work trying to cut off the supply line. You know, the average American home carries pretty close to $10,000 in credit card debt. Isn't that crazy? And the question becomes, how then can we get ahead if we're trapped in a cycle of debt with no plan for our finances personally? How then can we be a benefit to the kingdom of God and reach others and operate with generosity? And then how then can the church be equipped to be at a place of financial power to reach the community at the same time. He's really good at what he does, the enemy is. That's why I always tell people, if you want to take control of your finances, you need to set your baseline budget. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Um, you've got to set a baseline budget. Okay? By a show of hands, no one looking around, how many of you have an operational budget for yourself and your household? Okay, about half of us right now. 
about half of us. You guys watching online, probably going to play out about the same. Listen, you will never have control of your finances if you do not have a plan for your finances. You know, and, and God's plan is the best plan. You've got to put him first in your finances, number one. Number two, you have got to put money away in savings. Okay? If you're not putting money away in savings, you're just waiting for disaster to happen with no plan to deal with it. You're going to be in trouble. Probably 10 to 15% of income needs to go into savings to have a healthy savings plan. Um, so you can have an emergency fund so that you can have about three months of income set aside just in case something happens. You get injured, you can't work, or you lose a job. Um, you've got that to fall back on so you don't have to go into massive debt and lose stuff. Um, outside of that, you've got to have a plan to pay off that debt. See, if you don't have a budget, you don't know how much money you're putting towards debt. So all you're doing is making minimum payments to make that credit card go away for another month, but you don't have a plan to knock it out, and you're getting killed by interest. If you're getting killed by interest on credit cards, then you're probably not earning interest through investment. Okay, as long as you pay an in interest, you will never get ahead financially. You have to earn an in interest, and you don't get there without a plan. Now, that's crazy practical, right? That doesn't sound spiritual at all, but it's very spiritual. It's very spiritual, because if we aren't at a place financially, personally, to be able to bless others, we can't live the life of generosity God's called us to live. Amen? We stay caught in the same bubble of self-focus on our bills, on what we have to do, our groceries, our house payment. And we never look up to consider everything that God wants to do in us and through us with our finances. Is this hitting home this morning? So it's... It makes a lot of sense when you look at it from God's perspective. And this is why we wanted to go another step with this series and not just talk about budgets and talk about these spiritual principles of, of tithing and how it benefits you and, and stopping and asking what God can do through us through the area of finances to impact the lives of others, which is God's intent for us to be used as a conduit of blessing to other people. Those are great spiritual uh, principles to look at, but we wanted to bring in practical help too. That's why we've got a guy coming in on September 11th to help us all out financially. We're bringing in a financial expert to come alongside us and give us and help walk us through investment plans, retirement plans, um, financial plans like budgets, um, debt reduction strategies. Uh, he does all of this stuff, and he's coming in for free to bless us, okay? He's going to consult with us for free and help us put together these plans, and then he'll take you as far as you want to go with it financially, because I didn't just want to talk about this stuff to you so that we could start strong and then not have a plan to finish strong with this thing. Amen? All right. Why do you say that? Because I believe that God is positioning as us as a church to do greater things than we've ever done. And if we're going to be ready for that, then we need to be ready for that. And so we're going to bring him in to bless us and help us and get us on track and help see us make an impact for the kingdom of God. Now, does that sound good? So we want to help come alongside you and, and help you out. Kelly and I are going to sit down and meet with him and talk about some stuff and figure out some, some things we can move around. But if you don't have a plan, then you're never going to make headway with this stuff. You've got to have a plan, and you've got to work it. It's important because you'll never see God use you the way that he could if you're not in a place to be used by him. Amen?
All right, so let me, let me read you some more scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, just following this line of thought. It says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Have you, <laughs> you ever seen those square foot garden things? You ever do the square foot gardens like where you build this square box and then you run the string and you take square foot sections of this bigger box and you just plant stuff in those square foot sections of the garden? And the whole point is to be able to maximize the square footage in the box so that you can get a good return on a small amount of space. That's what it's all about. God does not want us to operate that way with our generosity. Okay, so if you sow a little, you'll reap a little. If you sow a lot, then you'll reap a lot. Now, this is not a complicated principle. Sow a little. Everybody say, sow a little. And you reap a little. Everybody say, sow a lot. Then you reap a lot. Have y'all ever driven through Nebraska or Iowa? What are you going to see everywhere in, in Nebraska and Iowa? You're going to see corn. I, Kelly and I were on a road trip driving you know, through, through the Midwest, heading towards Montana. We went through Nebraska and part of Iowa. I had to pull over on the side of the road because as far back as I could see was corn. And as far ahead as I could see was corn. And I was like, oh my gosh, did we just go into some kind of interdimensional time loop or something? It's just corn everywhere you go. That's the kind of harvest that God wants us thinking about. To sow a lot so that we can see a lot return to us. Why? Why? What is the point of all of that? Now, I'll show you. Prosperity gospel will teach you that you get blessed so that you can have more stuff. But God's kingdom doesn't work that way. You sow so that you're blessed so that you can become a blessing to others. So he says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. I love that. He goes, well, if you sow a little, you're going to reap a little. If you sow a lot, you're going to reap a lot, but it's up to you to decide how much you want to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. What that means is don't let people guilt you into it. Man, I'm telling you, there are a lot of preachers and evangelists and pastors that are guilty of trying to guilt people into giving. And you never do that, ever. You present the truth of the Word of God and you let people make up their own minds. You let the Word of God do what the Word of God is supposed to do, and you let the Holy Spirit do what He does best as He taps on the hearts of individuals and brings conviction and change. You let them do the work. It's not your job to change somebody's mind. You let the Word of God and the Holy Spirit do the work. So He's saying, don't fall for gimmicks. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't give in response to pressure. It says, for the Lord loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. I love that. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Now, this is the deeper principle here. I love this. It's not that, not that he just blesses you, but as you give generously, God will generously provide all you need, Matthew 6, 33. Uh, then he says, you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11, it kind of bookends this. It says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Wow. How would you like to have the blessing of God so abundant in your life so that you could always be generous to others? Wouldn't that be an awesome place to operate in? 
I mean, not so you have all that, that stuff, but so that you have the financial power and the material possession to be able to enrich and bless others, be generous to others. This is, this is a huge, what can God do through you? Have you stopped to think that if you get control of your finances and submit them to the Lord and operate responsibly with them, that you now, as you sow into the kingdom of God and become the funnel that he wants you to be to others, the, the blessings come in because he knows that he can trust you to pour it right back out. In an endless cycle of generosity, now you see a church beginning to impact people on a different level. On a different level, man. It's, it's one thing to say Jesus loves you, but if you can fill up somebody's tank with gas and say Jesus loves you and I just wanted to do this for you and here's an invite card to church, I hope we see you Sunday, boy, that's going to get their attention a whole lot more. You know what I'm saying? To be able to operate at a place that's making a difference in somebody's life. And I love our church because our church is a very generous church. Okay, I, It's a very generous church. And us talking about this in, in our church, for the most part, it's kind of like preaching to the choir, but I want to make sure that I'm being obedient to what God has laid on my heart to share with you uh, in this period of time, because some of us may not be dialed in and plugged into this awesome uh, process that God has got laid out for us. And I love how generous our church is, though, because we are seeing lives impacted and changed through that generosity. For a church our size, our giving should not be where it is. I'm telling you, we, we operate way above, way above statistically where our church should be um, as far as generosity goes. And I love that because that speaks well of our church. That means we're getting it. That means we're getting it. That means that we're getting it. And I love that. Did you know that because of your generosity, I mean, we're, we're having service here right now, and because of your generosity, we're going to have screens at work next week, and that's going to be awesome. Can't wait for that. But right now, eKids is happening right across the way because we have the finances to be able to resource them to make that happen. There's going to be a youth event where they're going to have a movie night, and it's going to be free popcorn and snacks and fun. Man, it's going to be a blast, and we're able to do that because we're a generous church, and ministry is happening because we're a generous church church. I love that. Right now, right now, do you realize because of our generosity that our live stream and our podcast are reaching people in over 60 countries across the world right now? That's amazing to me. At a little Douglasville, Georgia, our generosity, our generosity is being used by God to make a difference. And we're in about, I think about 40 or 41 states in the U.S., I love that. We're reaching people with the gospel of Jesus through our generosity. Through our generosity, do you realize we've helped over 40 families so far this year find food, housing, and jobs? Praise God for that. That is meeting practical needs. That's meeting practical needs. Because of our generosity, we're seeing God impact people. Um, do you know that through our generosity, we've been able to pray for over 300 people in our community because of our social media prayer outreach? That is amazing to me. That's, that's a big deal because when people go through a storm in their lives and they hop on social media just to escape it all, they see our face and they see, how can we pray for you? 
and they click on that thing by the boatloads, and we're able to pray for people in our community going through real stuff, guys. It's amazing to see what God has done. Uh, Because of our generosity, we gave backpacks and school supplies to approximately 200 children before the school year started this year. That's worthy of some praise right there. And I love this. This is how awesome God is, okay? That's how awesome God is. Um, Y'all remember the issue that we had as a church with our septic system? Some of y'all are like, yeah, yeah. Like, you would go to the restroom and take a deep breath and just hope that you weren't the one. You know what I mean? so, So we set aside money to pay for that. And because of the rise in the cost of everything, that repair cost over twice as much as it was supposed to we had to spend over $8,000 to get the septic stuff repaired for the church. That was, that's a huge amount of money. Well, part of that money was budgeted to go towards this book bag outreach, this back-to-school bash that we did. And all that money went away on a repair that had to happen. So now we've got an outreach that we want to see happen that we felt like God said to do with no money to make it happen. And we were like six weeks out from it or something like that, eight weeks out. It was, it was crazy, the timeline. And we were like, oh, man, what are we going to do? And instead of saying, take it off the docket, take it off the calendar, and instead of saying, we've got an excuse not to do it, your staff said, no, let's find a way to make it happen. We started smoking the phones and calling people, calling people in the church and people outside of the church. And it wasn't but about two weeks, I think, at the most. We had, listened to me, all of the money come in and more to make it happen because of the generous hearts of the people in this church to reach people for Jesus. That is the God that I serve. Instead of saying we can't do it, we find a way to make it happen. And you guys stepped up and made it happen, and we were able to impact families in our community. This year so far, we have seen 43 people make decisions for Jesus out of the ministries of this church. That's worthy of shouting and jumping around for us. 43 people that were going to hell that aren't now. There's a big party going on up in heaven right now because of that. How about we take just a minute and kind of match that and give God some big praise? What you say? That's a big deal. It's a big deal. Why? Because of the generosity of the people in the church. Ministry is happening. And I love this. You realize on September 18th, we're baptizing right now seven people. I love that. Seven people and counting. That's awesome. Which, by the way, if you're still on the fence about being baptized or having a child baptized, let me encourage you. Sign them up. Sign them up. They're going to get a free T-shirt. We're going to dunk them, and the water is going to be good. Everybody says, well, what is baptism such a big deal for? Well, one, Jesus was baptized. And it's pretty good to follow the example of Jesus. You don't have to be baptized to be saved, but being baptized is going public with your faith on a whole nother level. When you go into that water, you're saying, I'm going down into the grave and I'm dead to my old self and my old way of life. And when I come up out of the water, I'm rising up a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's one of the most powerful services we have as a church, being able to celebrate with others as they make that that proclamation of their faith. I love that. I love baptizing. There's so much that we're able to do as a church because of our generosity.
big question is, what can God do for you? What can God do through you? I've been asking myself this question all week. Because we're all still breathing. We're all still here. That means that God is not done with us yet. And as many people as we've reached, there's countless more yet to be reached. We've got huge opportunities coming up later this year, you know, with Fall Fest. Last year we did Fall Fest, and we saw 2,000 people from the community show up to our campus to have fun and party with us. How awesome was that? We want Fall Fest to be bigger and better this year. It takes generosity. It takes people being generous with their time to serve and volunteer and make things happen, you know. What can God do through you? This year we're going bigger for Christmas than we've ever gone before. So much bigger. Um, I maybe I would like to be a part of a Christmas choir this year. You know what I'm talking about? We want to have a Christmas choir this year. See, choir is my zone, man. That's my lane. I can get with a group of people and I can do a solo. Y'all know what that is, right? Where you sing solo, nobody else can hear you. See, choirs are good. So you can, you can live out that aspiration to be a singer and hide in a group even if you can't sing and you can rock and move. And all. We, we want to go big with it this year. We're going to go bigger with the songs. We're going to go bigger with the children's production during Christmas season this year. The light shows are going to be ridiculous. The elements of the service are going to be amazing. We're adding equipment so that our broadcast of the service is out of this world. We want to do work to the stage and expand it so we've got room for all of these kids and adults to do what they're doing. Man, I'm telling you right now, you're just going to be blown away by the first song that happens on Christmas. It's going to be unreal. We want to change things with the stage to set things up for Christmas. Why? Not so we can change stuff up and spend money, but so that we can see people impacted for the kingdom of God. See, we get people to Fall Fest so we can connect them to the church so that they can hear about Jesus. We go big for Christmas so that people get involved, so that they invite people that they know. They'll show up. They'll show up. And here's what's amazing is that Jesus is going to rock their world. I believe that we can see over 40 salvations for Christmas this year. I believe it can happen. We came close last year. There's no reason why it can't happen this year. What can God do? do through you what can God do through you we would talk about finance today because we're in a series on finances we're talking about what God can do through us and our generosity because that's his plan financially for us to be in a, in a never ending cycle of generosity blessing others out of what we have that makes sense I mean, that's not rocket science. Or one guy would say, that ain't rocket surgery, Pastor. I get it. What can God do through you? Because the deeper principle that we're talking about here is surrender to the Lord and being a good steward over what He's entrusted us with. See, it's not so much... Where we put our resources is the issue. Is who sits on the throne of our heart is the issue. Not just with finances, but with every area of life. 
What can God do through you? Now, if you're like me, early on in my walk with God, somebody would have asked me that question, I would have said, man, I don't know. I'm just happy that I'm not going to hell and I can get to go to heaven. You know, if I can get a trailer on the outside edge of heaven and just stay there, I'll be happy. I'll just be glad that I got in. And I had no understanding of who I was in Christ. And no understanding of what God desired to do in me or through me. I had no, no, no understanding of it all. You, you realize God uses people that are willing to be used. You think there was anything special about Moses? He was a murderer who came up with every excuse why he shouldn't do what God called him to do. And then God used him in a powerful way. I mean, look at David. David wasn't perfect. He had issues. David was jacked up at one point in his life. Man, he not only committed murder, but he committed adultery. Crazy. Look at Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, was a hothead that couldn't control his mouth or his emotions. And God still used him. What can God do through you? See, the X factor in all of this is our surrender to him. And I'm not asking you this morning if he's on the throne of your finances. I'm asking you if he's on the throne of your heart. Is Jesus really... Lord of all? Is he Lord of all? Is your life completely surrendered to him? I, not, not that you come to church, not that you do nine-tenths of everything, but is it ten out of ten? Is he Lord and Savior of it all? Of it all? I mean, do you serve Jesus with all of your heart until football season starts? Or is he Lord of all? You understand? Is Jesus number one when the blessings come in? Or is he still number one when you're going through a storm? Is he Lord of all? Is he Lord over your relationships? Or are you trying to make stuff happen because you're tired of being alone? Is he Lord of all? Is he Lord over your marriage? Is it submitted to, is he Lord of all? Or are you still butting heads with your spouse trying to prove who's right and who's wrong instead of mutually submitting to one another like the Bible? Who is the Lord of all? You following me this morning? Is he Lord of all? God wants all of our hearts this morning. What can God do through you? Everyone stand this morning if you would. Everyone standing. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Is he Lord of all? Is he Lord of all or is just only when it's convenient for us? Is he Lord of all? Because when we settle the issue of who is on the throne of our heart, Everything else falls in line. Who's in control? Who's in control? Is it you or the Lord? Do you try to carry everything on your shoulders and make it happen, or are you trusting in the Lord and in his might and power? Who's in control? Are you waiting on his timing or trying to make your own? 
These are very pointed questions. God's trying to get to that place in our heart where too many times we have a reserved spot that is just for us and we never surrender to him. Is it total surrender in your life? Or is there still some of you in there? Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Josh, Pastor Josh, I need to surrender all of my heart to the Lord today. All of my, see, there's some of you in here, you're some of you in here this morning and you've got repetitive sin in your life. Repetitive sin in your life right now that you're choosing to operate in instead of stepping into the freedom that Jesus provided for you. You need to lay that down. You need to lay it down. You need to lay down the bottle that you go to to get the stress of the day off of you and learn how to surrender to the Lord and operate in His peace. Step away from the porn addiction and submit it to the Lord and step out in freedom for all of us to be completely surrendered to Him today. Who is on the throne of your heart? And Jesus is either Lord of it all or he's not Lord at all. On the count of three, if you're here today, you say, Pastor Josh, you know what? I need to surrender everything today. Not just finances. That's part of it. Total surrender to the Lord. That's what he wants. On the count of three. If you're here this morning, Pastor Josh, total surrender is what I need. I want you to lift your eyes. And I want you to look at me. God wants to do something powerful in your life today. This is going to be a changing point for you. Because God desires to do something incredibly powerful through you. But that can only happen when we're submitted to him. Here we go. One. Two. Three, lift your eyes up and look at me. I see yours, I see yours, I see yours, I see yours, I see yours. Praise God, eyes are going up. Eyes are going up in this place. Total surrender to him. Total surrender to him. Let's just lift our hands up to the Lord this morning. Father, I thank you. Lord, for the truth of your word. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts today. Lord, I pray that everyone in here is in a place of total surrender to you. What can you do through us? And the good news is if we're surrendered to you and we trust in you, there is no limit to what you can do through this church through the individuals of this church and our personal lives, Lord, we surrender everything to you. Lord, you're in control, not us. Lord, we want your will for our lives, not our will for our lives. Lord, if that means that we're stepping out of comfort zones and the places that you're calling us, then let it be so. If that means that we are completely surrendering our finances over to you and submitting to your word, then let that be the case. Lord, if we're stepping out of sin, let that be the case. Lord, if we're, whatever the area is, Father, Lord, let all of our hearts be surrendered to you, holding nothing back, Lord. 
because I know you desire to use us all. I think sometimes we just get caught up with life and we lose sight that you haven't called us to be caught up in the affairs of this world. You've called us, you've called us to make a difference for your kingdom. Father, we give you glory. We give you praise in this place for what you're doing in the hearts of these people. Lord, we worship you in this place. Again, let's just lift up our hands and begin to worship him. Father, you alone are worthy. Lord, we surrender ourselves to you, Lord, and now we just want to focus on you and give you praise and give you glory, Lord. Give you honor because you and you alone are worthy. You're worthy. Lord, I pray that you give us vision. Lord, give us vision for our personal lives. There's more to life than just working the job and going home. Lord, give us your vision for our lives. What can you do through us? Father, as we begin to step out and continue to step out and trust you financially, Lord, I pray that you do what your word says that you will do, Lord. And that cycle of generosity begins, Lord, that we are obedient to you. We do what you say. We see lives impacted through that obedience. And the cycle just continues. Do you want us to be in control of our finances, submitting them to you, but responsible for our finances so that we can be in a place to be a blessing to others, to be used by you? God, I pray that we're all people that are trustworthy of that and that we see you outperform our wildest expectation to impact and change lives through us. What can you do through us? God, I pray that that question stays in our hearts, that it stays in our spirit, Lord, that it stays in our minds. Long after we've walked out of this building, Lord, at Wednesday, at two in the afternoon that we're asking, Lord, what can you do through us? That our eyes are always open looking for the opportunities to serve others, that our eyes are always open looking for opportunities to be generous, that our spirits are open to your prompting, that we're paying attention, that we're listening to what you say, Father, that we're not so focused on what we're doing that we forget to be listening so that we can be used to impact those around us. What can you do through us? Lord, I can't wait to see what the answer to that question is. Exceedingly, abundantly more than all we could ask or imagine according to your power that's at work within us. Lord, we praise you. We glorify you in this place. Lord, I thank you for a church that's got a generous heart. Lord, I thank you for people that have made decisions to totally surrender to you today. God, I thank you for a church that has a heart for you. We give you praise in this place in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Hey, if the word ministered to you this morning, let's give God praise in the house for it. Come on. Uh, what a powerful day. You know, it's funny. You have services like this where things aren't working like they should be. You have services like this where um, I'm just telling you that it's incredibly practical. But I tell you, the power is in the practicality of the word. Amen.
you get in trouble where things become so hyper-spiritual that you lose the one, two, threes that God has laid out for us in his word. So let's be a church that focuses on that and answers the question, hey, what can God do through us? How can God move through our generosity with our time, with our talent, with our resources, finances? What can God through us do through us? What do you say we go out of here today and put it to work and see lives impacted and changed for the kingdom? How does that sound? Amen. Amen. Listen, the, the vision for this church, listen, we're not the place where you're going to get together and fly so high in the spirit, okay? We're going to be a place where our feet are on the ground and we're operating in obedience to the word of God. Okay? That doesn't mean that we don't let the spirit move. He moves. That's great. We want to be practical and relevant and reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You know what? That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. And if we're going to be his church, we should reflect that. Amen? This will not be a glorified country club. We're going to be a church that is submitted to the word of God and doing the best we can to reach others for him. Amen? This is always going to be a church. This is always going to be a church where religion dies. This is always going to be a church where nobody walks alone. This is always going to be a church where the presence of God transforms lives. And this is always going to be a church that is reaching the lost. Always. Because that's the church that Jesus established. Amen? Father, thank you again for who you are. Lord, for your presence that I feel in this place. God, let us walk out of here operating in that presence, impacting all the lives that we come into contact with. In your precious name, amen, amen. God bless you. We love you. Can't wait to see you. Thank you, everyone online. We'll see you next week.